We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Aren't you glad we have a Savior who has complete empathy for our our times of deep distress? He can empathize in an intimate way because he knows what it's like to walk in these earthly shoes. As we look to him for personal comfort, we can also draw from his example to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. On today's episode of Seeing God's Goodness, we're continuing our conversation with Robin Heidi Fuller. If you're tuning in perhaps for the first time, we want to encourage you to go back and hear episode 19, part 1. Their story of learning to trust in God, even in the midst of fiery trials, is a testimony you won't want to miss. Robin, Heidi, thank you for opening up and sharing your story with us. Wow, God has blessed you with five children, two of them through incredible provisions for adoption, and three through a miraculous process of embryo adoption. Your testimony certainly points to a Savior who cares deeply about our heartaches and is always good. Heidi, I can only imagine the anguish of going through 14 failed adoption attempts and miscarriages too. Having faced loss after loss, spiraling Mm -hmm. to perhaps one of the darkest valleys of your life, what Mm -hmm. was the turning point? What brought you to a place of peace and complete trust in God? Well, it was probably a process. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I could say that it happened in an instant. Um, but I do remember one distinct turning point for me. And it was after we had gone for the first embryo transfer and I miscarried. And I remember sitting on, on the bed and I was just crying out to God. And I was saying, if I felt lonely before, (laughs) if I felt lonely in the failed adoptions before, now I really feel lonely because I don't know anybody who's gone through embryo adoption. And I don't know anybody who can understand the pain of, of losing an adopted child this way. This would make no sense to anyone. And so as I'm, I'm laying on the bed and I'm, I'm crying to God and probably having a pity party and throwing a bit of a temper tantrum to God, I just remember saying to him, you, something to the effect of, you just don't understand what it's like to lose a child. And it just, in that instance, it was almost like, it was almost like God came down and whispered in my ear, Heidi, I do know what it's like to lose a child. And for me, that was a real turning point because I have grown up in a Christian home my whole life. I have known the story of salvation my whole life. Nothing of it was new. 
but in that moment, as I'm, you know, angry at God and yelling out at God and really accusing him of, you don't understand. It came alive in a very, very new and fresh way that he knew exactly what it was like to lose a child. And um, you referenced one of the songs that I had written, Give Me Eyes That See. And I love to write music. I love it. And often it would take weeks and months to come up with lyrics and a tune. But in that moment, on my bed, it was it was like instantaneous. He gave me a song. And I just started writing out these lyrics to another song called I Know. And the chorus is that exact concept. I know what it's like to lose a child. And I know exactly what it's like to have this paradise, this world, this dream that you had for your life. I know exactly what it's like to see that crumble. And I know exactly what it's like to feel the heartache of loneliness and people turn their back on you. And so I, I feel like that was a significant turning point for me. It was before um, God blessed us. It was before he, in the end, gave us the triplets. But um, it was just this real, this real comfort of no matter what I go through in this life, I have this God who, yes, he's big and he's mighty and he's the creator of my world, but he really knows. <laughs> he really knows and feel intimately the pain of anything that I go through. As believers... We should follow Jesus's example of empathy, and we want to be encouragers. So how can we jump into the trenches with couples who have had miscarriages or any kind of loss and help them begin the healing process? Probably the thing that was most encouraging to me um, was friends who shared scripture I had a very dear friend um, during that time that looking back, I see how God just providentially led her into my life. Um, she was actually single at the time, and we were about the same age, but she'd never been married. And so in my human thinking, I thought we didn't relate, that she didn't really, couldn't really understand what I was going through. And yet... God providentially brought her into my life on, I would say, the single lowest day of my life when she randomly, and I know this is the Holy Spirit thing now, but he prompted her to call me and ask if we could get together for coffee that week. And I didn't really know her that well, but it was a Saturday morning and she called and just said, hey, can we... I wanted to get together with you. I thought maybe there would be a free day this week on your calendar that we could just go and talk. And I very uncharacteristically, I just said, how about right now? And it was just how I was feeling. I mean, I was so low. I was just like mm -hmm. so low that I just blurted out, well, how about right now? <laughs> and she was such a sweet friend. And we went um, to a village inn and we sat in a booth in the corner and I, I just basically unloaded on her and I, you know, I've never even really had any type of a heart to heart. It's just where I was that day. And God just really knew I needed a friend. And I, I sat there for two hours, 
blubbering out my whole life story, my every insecurity. And I remember just looking at her and sobbing out, where does the pastor's wife go when she doubts the goodness of God? And in my mind, even as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, she's going to leave the church. She, she thinks we're heretics. She, you know, I'm thinking all the worst. I'm thinking, the pastor's wife just said this. I can't believe this. <laughs> and yet she was, she just didn't even really answer. She just didn't answer. She just looked at me with compassion. And she started sending me a scripture. And that day, I'm not sure she really said much of anything. She probably just listened. But throughout the weeks and the months that followed, she was so, so faithful. And I, I will never forget one day she had created this gift for me that took so much thought. I mean, she had clearly poured herself into thinking through every aspect of it, but she had put together this basket and it was beautifully decorated. And in it, she had all sorts of random things, but tied to each item in the basket, she had tied a verse of scripture. And so there was this little glass bottle and it had this little note on it that just said, he, he counts all your tears and he mm-hmm. puts them in a bottle and I don't remember all these references. I can just remember all the gifts <laughs> that were in there. And But she would have these verses written out. And there was a box, a little box of, of tissue. And it had something, um, a verse that would have something to do with, he wipes your tears. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a pillow. And it just said something about, you know, he sees your tossings in the night. And it was just, it was the most precious gift. There was no advice. There was no, um, there was no judgment. There weren't, there weren't um, the feelings of get over yourself. When are you going to come out of this, this despair? There was none of that. It was just scripture. And it was, it just encouraged my heart in such a huge way. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I have tried that. Since that time, when I see friends who are hurting, um, not to not to judge, not to um, even really offer advice, unless it's asked for, but to just share scripture, because mm-hmm. I have come to really believe in its power. Presence and compassion, that goes a long, long way. Yeah, yeah, it does. From your standpoint, Rob... What encouragement did you receive that might strengthen others who are struggling to find peace through their adversity? I've told people before that I feel like the greatest pain for me was watching my wife go through it. Um, It's not that I, I wasn't feeling despairing of getting children and things like that as well. It's just that if, if God doesn't want something to happen and so he changes the plan, I, I can go with that. I may be disappointed, but eventually I can go with it. But when I see my wife in that much pain and I can't fix it, it's that's the hardest thing. And uh, I, I think that in that that moment of weakness, in that moment of inability, uh, it's just good to remember passages like Hebrews four fifteen. 
where it says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Um, and uh, I would say Second uh, Corinthians 12, um, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. It, it's just important to keep pointing them back to the one who can give hope, to the one who, who, who can give the fulfillment and peace. So those are, those are a couple of things that I think were, were helpful for me to keep in mind. And I shared, I shared what we were going through with the, uh, you know, with the other pastors at my church and they were very supportive and they prayed a lot for us. And, uh, um, just encourage me just don't give up, keep going. Um, it's the idea that not everything lasts forever. And so, uh, there are seasons and the seasons change. And so just be strong and keep going. Rob, as the husband, as you know, God lays out a marriage as the husband is the spiritual leader and doesn't only physically provide for the family, but spiritually provides what the encouragement or maybe advice would you give to husbands who maybe are struggling with how to understand and support their wife who are going through those emotional trials and, and kind of, you know, how they can kind of help out. Cause like you said, uh, you wanted to fix it. And as men, that's kind of our programming is we want to fix things, but when it's an emotional problem or, or situation, we kind of sometimes are at a loss on knowing how to do that. Unfortunately, anything that I say, I can't say it because I did well at it. I think I pretty, I, I didn't do a great job going through it because my, my counselor mode kicked in when it shouldn't have. And that was one of the things I kind of realized as I was going through it, that I am my wife's spiritual leader and I need to point her to Christ, but I, I needed to be more like Job's friends in the first seven days where they just sat in silence and wept. Right. And uh, then I greatly encouraged her whenever friends offered to take her out or to talk with her, this friend that she mentioned, um, you know, I, I encouraged her to call her up every once in a while and go to coffee because I think that I think that other people, godly people who love Jesus, can tell her and encourage her and share things with her that coming from me uh, don't have the same impact, right. and they may even be detrimental. Mm-hmm. And so, um, understanding that it wasn't my place to have to fix everything or to correct her theology or, or things like that. I needed to be the one who put my arms around her and wept with her and continually said, let's pray. Let's just pray. Even when she said, I don't want to. Um, And then make sure that there were other godly people around who were, who were able to, uh, talk with her and hear her, her cries of her heart and point her to Jesus as well. That's good advice. It's not always easy to see that 
God is good. And sometimes from our perspective here on earth, it's impossible to know how things will end. But I believe you've hit the nail on the head that it's just important to keep speaking the truth to ourselves. Truth is in God's word. Mm-hmm. And to place the truth above our emotions. And that's where we're going to eventually find the joy and the peace that God wants us to have. When you look into the faces of your beautiful children now, and you remember everything that the Lord has carried you through, what have you come to cherish most about our God? Most of um, my husband jokingly said, being able to see their faces. <laughs> yeah, going back to the very beginning when we were talking about my my eye problems, um, that is that is one of them. Just being able to see them. But no, I, if I think, what do I cherish most about God? That is such a hard one because I I feel like there's so there's just so much. There's just so much. I, I cherish His good plans. I cherish that He had a good plan for my life. It wasn't cruel. It wasn't vicious. It was really, really good. Um, I, he just wanted my trust. But I think if I, one of the first ones, if I were going to try to nail it down to one, maybe the one that would stand out most is I really cherish his long suffering with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one passage of scripture that I have just come to absolutely love and adore <laughs> is Job 23. And In Job 23, Job is angry with God. Why have you done this to me? If I could only get a day in court with you, I would demand that you give an answer for yourself, that you tell me why you have acted this way. I would understand your ways. And Job is basically throwing a temper tantrum and one that I can totally relate to. (laughs) And yet at the end of the chapter, Job you know, cries out to God. And he says, would you contend with me in the greatness of your power? And I just picture this big God in heaven who could squash him like a bug. He could squash me like a bug. And then the very last verse says, no, he would pay attention to me. And I just, that verse is so gripping to realize that it's, it's so unnatural for me to act that way. I am much more of the attitude, um, get over it. When you get your attitude fixed, we can talk. Um, telling my kids, go to your room until you've calmed down. And this image of God that is so different from that, that no, he would pay attention to me. And so as I think back to all my temper tantrums and I think back to my doubts and my accusations against him, my lack of faith, um, the fact that he he suffered long with me, that he just patiently waited and that he continued um, to put things into my life to point me to him. I, I just absolutely love that, that picture of God. If I, uh, if I were to pick up on, on what Heidi was saying, the thing that, that I remember most, right, I have learned most about God um, experientially, I may have known it intellectually before, but now experientially picking up on the Job, uh, example, uh, Job 40 has always been a, a great passage for me. And you say, what? The sea monster passage? The dinosaur passage? <laughs> yes, because 
God, after after Job throws this temper tantrum and everything, and then Job uh, or God comes to Job in a whirlwind and asks him a bunch of rhetorical questions, mm-hmm. and then in Job forty, he's talking about this creature that that to Job there is no use for. You know, can you draw him out with a hook? Can you tame him? Can you do this? Basically, what he's saying is this this monster that you know is there, uh, you can't eat, you can't tame, you can't have as a pet, you can't use for commerce. All that's going to happen is when you run up against it, you're going to feel pain and you will not forget the pain and you will not forget the experience. So this thing that is out there in the world, you see absolutely no purpose for except pain, suffering, and hurt. And God uses that that chapter is his closing argument to Job for, do you know all of the things that I know, Job? See, to, to God, all of the, that creature has a purpose. Mm-hmm. God created it for a purpose. Job has no clue. There is nothing that he sees of value. And that is meant to be a metaphor for Job's suffering and his pain. You see no purpose in it except hurt it's it's just going to scar you and you're going to remember the pain for all of time you don't understand why it's there but i do job and right after that is where you have job saying i have spoken of things too wonderful for me i repent in dust and ashes and so as we go through suffering and pain it's important to remember it hurts but God has all of this in control. He is still sovereign. And I may not understand why, but God does. I may never understand why this side of heaven, but God does. And so I need to be like Job. I repent in dust and ashes because I've spoken of things too wonderful for me Mm. and just bow to the sovereignty of my master. It's so wonderful we can rejoice in our suffering because of what God is doing and how he's preparing us for eternity. You know, Rob and Heidi, we're thankful for what God produced in and through you because of your trials. Your testimony has inspired us to trust in God no matter what. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. You're very welcome. Yeah, thank you. The next time you see someone hurting, be challenged by the example of Jesus. Empathy stirs us to action makes us willing to walk alongside a friend through their loneliness and pain, and points them to the one who understands and can give them hope. I will not forget the day we heard the happy news. One day soon our home would sing with quiet baby coos. Fulfillment of my heart's desire, answer to my prayer. Quickly turned to tragedy God, are you really there? A dream so roughly snatched away Joy plummeted to pain Did you ever hear me? Were all my pleas in vain? Alone distressed, I wonder how I'll face another day But in that quiet moment, I hear 
urge to rise. I toss the empty tissue box and dry my aching eyes. In a world that keeps on spinning, I feel totally alone. Until his grace reminds me that my pain is not Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.